Okay, with John C. Finch the third viewing is the screenplay. It's the winner of the the Crime Mystery Film Festival. I'm just gonna, uh, John, do you mind, or do you, you could do it. I can do it. I wanna, I wanna uh, state your synopsis. I wanna read your synopsis. Is that okay? Yeah, that'd be great. Because I have a question about your synopsis. So, after a supernatural experience, a street artist in the at the end of his rope goes to work for a billionaire as a psychic viewer but must fight his way out when he discovers that his shadowy employer is embroiled in a deadly conspiracy, period, and then inspired by true events. Yeah. So, of course, I got to ask, inspired by true events, like what, what's going on here? <laughs> Tell me about the, the how this is inspired by true events. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, there are two answers to that. One is that um, the main character named Scott it has a supernatural experience where he's something calls him out in the middle of the night to go to this site in the country. And he finds someone who's just had an accident on a motorcycle and he saves their life by uh, turn, applying a tourniquet to their leg. And that really happened to a friend of mine. One of my best friends, uh, that, that was exactly his story. So that's the one true event that, that, uh, that I wrote about. And then, the other are the um are the other true part is based on the remote viewing program that was popular among US government agencies from the 1960s to the 1990s where they were trying to train psychic viewers or trying to locate psychic viewers who could uh, use something called remote viewing to access information that's hidden so this that's a thing that actually happened it is a thing. It actually happened. There's a great book about it by um, uh, Annie Jacobson called Phenomena, and she goes through lots of unclassified and newly declassified documents and interviews some of the folks who are participants in the program. And it's it's really fascinating. The yeah, the, the United States government and uh, the USSR used uh, quote psychic viewers for decades. This is like this is like during the Cold War, like they're like they're battling yes. against each other. Yes, yeah, it was uh, it was popularized in the Cold War, and um, they had lots of interesting success stories, like finding downed planes, um, seeing uh, nuclear submarine capabilities, um, locating missing people, people who had been kidnapped. Uh, it's it really interesting. And really mind blowing. It's mind boggling. And so that I was interested in that. So I just tied the two stories together: the story about my friend Scott and, the, and this uh, this story about the um, the government program. So, so you you do you believe in psychic ability? That one would assume. Um, I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm still, I guess, agnostic about it. But but I well, I'm not agnostic about it. <laughs> <laughs> I still. Uh, I I think so. I think there's something to it. I believe the reports of the psych the, of the remote viewers. I believe the the evidence is there. I know that something happened to my friend that that compelled him in the middle of the night to go running way out out in the country to find somebody who had just been injured. I can't explain it, but something there's yeah. something at work there. I, I like to believe that we we all have feelings. Like if we we tap into our emotional if we tap into our what we're what we're feeling inside sometimes it would it will play tricks on us obviously right but if we yeah. if you really kind of like it's about it's about learning it's about like it's like a ten thousand hour rule thing where like you got to really like you're not just going to wake up with a psychic ability my feeling is that you got to kind of like 
figure out what's going on in the emotion, right? Like what's hap yeah. what's happening. You can kind of you, instinctively you can kind of see patterns in your in life and like in your own life, I guess. That's my feeling, I guess. Yeah, I think you're right on right on target. Like I completely agree. And and I that's what they found in the program was that there were some people who were naturally gifted, talented at accessing that part of their mind that allowed them to be connected to lots of other people and things. And then there were other people that there were novices that they tried to train. Mm -hmm. And they found, of course, better luck with the people who were naturally gifted, but they are were able to train people to turn off parts of their consciousness and ignore sometimes what we call, you know, uh, their intuition and tap into something a little bit deeper and more accurate. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think it's it's a really fun, fun topic. Sometimes the, the intuition could be our wish fulfillment. Yeah. Like what, what we want so. to happen, but it's not, <laughs> but it's yeah. not really our intuition. It's like, you got to figure, you got to take the positive and the negative out, right? Because you can see, kind of see what the future holds, but then you got to tap into that. What you, what you don't want to hear as well, I guess. Right. Absolutely. I, I think so. And that's of, of all the interviews I've read, I've, I've watched a couple documentaries about it. And that is absolutely the truth is the ability to discern your creative mind and what your creative mind is already is just kind of churning and creating, trying to make, we're always making stories and that type of thing. Or there's this wish fulfillment, like you said, where we're trying to um, manifest something to happen mentally. It seems like the more successful viewers were able to turn both of those, you know, compulsions off and just focus on what they're getting from the field, you know, from, from uh, whatever it was they're accessing. So yeah, it's really it interesting. Is, it is fascinating for sure. And the, the, one of the issues too, is that there's a lot of people who are just full of shit. Pardon my French. Like they're, yeah. they're not psychic and they're just kind of like fleecing people. Right. So to totally, totally. Oh, absolutely. There's a whole <laughs> industry based yeah. on that. Yeah. Then uh, th that's, and that's the rub, right? I guess it's it's that way with anything, right? There's, yeah, there are people out there. And I think your French is fine. I mean, you're Canadian, so, you know. The what? <laughs> you said, pardon my French. And I said, well, you're Canadian, so, you you know. Yeah. <laughs> you probably know some. You know. I, am, I am definitely 100% Canadian. All right, so tell uh, me about the, the writing of the script then. So you had this idea. Do you remember when you first got the idea? It's like, I, this, is a, this could be a good film. This could be a good film, good script. Yeah, I was um, at a retreat, uh, just a, a reunion, rather, with with my friend Scott, who I hadn't seen in over a decade. We were great friends in college, and he moved far away, and, and we happened to, to reconnect and spent the weekend with a bunch of other guys. And, and after several drinks, he told us this story, and I thought, this was three years ago, and I thought, Wow. Okay. Now that is something I, you know, I, I should write something about that. And so that's when I started working on the idea. And then I started, then I stumbled across this uh, book about remote viewing uh, and then started watching documentaries and kind of investigating that. And uh, so three years later, I finally have a draft that makes some kind of sense, I hope, and is entertaining. Well, it's 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 the reason why we're talking. So you must be doing something, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's been really fun, fun, fun to work on, and and um, it's you know it's it's something that I've uh, yeah. This is probably my ninth draft of that of that script. So it's been a lot of work. <laughs> 
When did you start writing screenplays? I started in grad school and film school many, many years ago, I guess almost 20 years ago now. And, but didn't really take it seriously until I'd say about 2015. And I had been teaching screenwriting for a while, but wow. yeah, but didn't really, uh, I know it sounds bad, but it was more of a production guy and didn't, didn't write much, but I was uh, teaching it. And then I, I finally just, uh, you know, what really hastened or precipitated the, the writing was COVID. So sure. when, when I was on lockdown, I <laughs> had a lot more time to, to write, couldn't go anywhere. And so I just dove into it. Well, there's a lot of uptick in, in screenplays for sure <laughs> during COVID. Yeah. 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 It, it was like, from my experience, it was like nothing, nobody was doing anything from like March to like May. It was like, it was like crickets. And all of a sudden June starts coming in July and all of a sudden all these screenplays start coming in. <laughs> it's like, and, and it's like, oh yeah, they're, they're, they haven't been doing anything. They've been sitting at home for three months or whatever. <laughs> they, they're polishing up on their drafts or they're rewriting something, they have an idea, right? So. Yep. Yep. So I'm one of, <laughs> one of them, one of them, I'm sure. So you, you, yeah. you said you teach screen screenwriting. Do you, is there like, I'm just curious from, from your professional opinion, is there like a book or books that you would recommend someone reading? Cause it's like, there's so many books out there. I was just curious what, what your recommendation yeah. would be. Absolutely. I, now, this is a controversial view these days, but okay. um, I would say people need to start with Save the Cat by Blake Snyder. And uh, why is that controversial? Well, some people hate hate his method and some people love it. And so I'd say the community writing community is kind of divided on it. But but for my money, it is the best place to start. It is a great it provides a nice template for the novice screenwriter or for somebody who's been doing it for a while. It's it's a really easy to read, entertaining, helpful guide. I'd say Save the Cat is the top of the list. That's been in print for a long time, right? So like- It has really been. Mm -hmm. what's, what's the controversy? It's like to like buy the notes? Like, to, yeah. Like, to, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, some people think it's too too strict, too, you know, too beat driven, too, too story. Like too Hollywood kind of style of, of like plot points and yes, there's that third too. act twist. You kind of see everything coming a mile away kind of thing. Right, right. And there's nothing new about that. You know, I mean, yeah. people have been following those formulas for a long time. It's just that uh, Snyder makes it a lot more accessible and a little bit easier to understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some people think it stifles creativity and they like to, to you know, not have to hit those beats, but I find it is a useful guide to you can pick up and put down when you don't need it. And so I would start there for sure. It's That's like one of student. those, it's like the cliche. It's like the order to break the rules, you got to know the rules, I guess. And it's like, this is kind yeah. of giving you, because if you look at like 90% of Hollywood feature films, like I'm not talking, like I'm talking about like the generic kind of like drama or romantic comedy, they're all the same film, right? Like plot yep. point wise, it's like, mm -hmm. it's pretty by, by the book. Like, you know, exactly like 20 minutes before the movie, there's going to be a big downfall and like everything yep. looks doom and gloom. And then there's going to be like, oh, well, you know what? We can do this. And then there's going to be like this one last one last tramps to uh, to 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 get the girl or to to win the business or whatever it is. Right. And then they absolutely. win at the end. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. I'd say 85 percent of all films, made, especially in the Western world, are made with that formula. It's just something that's 
inherent to our style of our storytelling. You know, I think it's different in, you know, in, in the East, uh, I, I think, but, but for, for Westerners, sure. folks from Western hemisphere. Yeah. I, I, we, we love that pattern. We, we watch it over and over and over again. <laughs> but it is changing though. Cause with streaming services and the, the, like you do talk about like the, like a movie, like uh parasite, for example, and there's a couple other ones that are fan, uh, Korean films that are fantastic this year, but Parasite kind of changed genres and basically kind of like put turned everything on its head. And uh, and you can see that people are copying from that formula right now. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. It's a really exciting time. You know, it's a difficult time, but it's also an exciting time in terms of storytelling and the stuff that we're seeing and the the influx of international offerings. I think is really helping. Um, you know, screenwriters here in North America really changing the way that, and viewers changing the way, changing our expectations and the way we tell stories. I think it's wonderful. Because there's more content out there. It's just that people are not, you know, they, you know there's there's the, there's the Barbies, there's the the Oppelheimer, right? And then the, yeah. then there's like a there's three then there's three hundred other movies <laughs> that right. came out this year yeah. right and it's like all spread yeah. thin right because it's, it's like yeah. it's one's on apple one's on netflix of course and one's mm -hmm. playing at the movies and it's like they're all kind of all over the place yeah yeah absolutely and then like you said with the with the series streaming series you're able to to bend the rules and break expectations and really get creative uh the problem is just you know sustaining a series because they're they come and go so quickly if they're if they don't do well according to you know the algorithm you know the algorithm well it's but at the same time they give the the boat they give the the the, the creator a lot of freedom you know mm -hmm. like they they give them like okay here's here's 80 million dollars go off make this make eight episodes and come back and in nine months yeah. kind of a thing right See absolutely yeah. yeah it's 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 uh very exciting so yeah. you do you still teach screenwriting I do. Yeah. My, my day gig is a college professor. I teach film and television. And so I teach screenwriting uh, every semester and really love it. And do you, what do you mind with saying what school you teach at or? Oh, no, that's fine. I'm at uh, California Lutheran university, which is in Thousand Oaks, California near um, we're just, just West of Los Angeles. Gotcha. Uh, in Ventura County. So not too far from, from, uh, you know, the business and, and it's great to be out here and, and able to make contacts with folks who are working in the industry and they come to my class as guest speakers and it's, it's pretty great. So. Have you like, it's kind of a cliche question, but have you noticed a shift in the, the mentality of the students through the, through the years? Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've been doing this since uh, 2003 teaching and you know change is constant in some ways but people are people you know and and that that doesn't change but the way that students learn has changed and it's changed a lot depending on lots of different things technology is huge is a huge influence right i mean yeah now, well social media like they you're teaching the social media generation now right so yeah totally Totally. So it has it has changed learning styles, I would say, and it has changed the expectations that students have of instructors. And some of that's for the better and some of it's, you know, difficult to adjust to. It, it just depends. But yeah, every every couple of years I've noticed, you know, the students change, you know, just 
um, things, uh, people are just different. You know, I remember when uh, cell phones were really popular before texting, before smartphones. Yeah. And when class would get out, everybody would pick up their phone and call their friends. And now, you know, nobody <laughs> calls anybody. Uh, so they're trying to text in class and get away with it, you know. <laughs> It's a, it, like for my, like, a, like a, I guess I would be your teacher, your, one of your students, maybe in the beginning when you started and we didn't have social media, we didn't even have cell phones back in the day. Right. So yeah. it's a total yeah. different mentality. And like we, we did, I didn't know anything then. And basically, and so basically I, I don't think many of these kids know much <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. And it's yeah. like, but then, but they have this, this, this vehicle where they can start spouting out their ideals that that's documented forever which is kind yeah. of scary in a sense and totally scary and they I'm start so talking glad. about things that they don't really they don't have any information about like certain wars or whatever right not to get in specifics and it's mm -hmm. like oh my god like you're you're documenting this and you don't know what you're talking about it's kind of scary i'm so glad i didn't have that technology when i was yeah isn't it don't that's basically the point i'm trying to make i'm like yeah. i can't i'm so lucky like that <laughs> yeah because i when you're 21, 20 or 22 years old, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be taking things in, not outputting. You're supposed to be taking like you know yeah. what I mean. You're supposed to be yeah. like inputting things, not outputting things. That would be basic, I guess, about it. Oh yeah, well you know, back in our day, I guess you know you'd go back to the dorm room and and you know talk shit with with your roommate. Sure. Yeah, but that's as far as it went. You know now. You do that on social media, and like you said, it's there forever, and everybody knows. And I, I would have, I would still be apologizing for the things that I, yeah. I would have said at, at twenty uh, if it were out there. So it is really different, and and we do have to, you know, all of us, uh, you know, I think it's all of us have to remind the younger folks that, and ourselves, I guess, that you know, um, you have to really censor yourself. Yeah. But but then the, another thing is when you're 21 years old, you don't listen. To, you don't know. You're not listening right. to anybody. Right. So <laughs> not until you're like 25. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because so. you, you, you made a great point because it's like the we're the same, like the kids are the same. Right. Except totally. that the, 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 the devices they have is that's the difference. Right. So. That's I'd say that's the only really only real difference. You know, we're 19 year olds. We're still 19 year olds. You know, 21, still 21. It's just different opportunities to <laughs> get yourself in trouble or, um, you know, get your voice out there, which is the flip side, the positive side of, of that, of all that. Yeah. Uh, and, and for film, you know, for young filmmakers, it's great. You know, you can post on Vimeo, YouTube, you yeah. can enter contests like this and get your, get your work seen. Whereas before, you know, good luck getting it seen anywhere technology you can shoot on make a film on your phone now right so yeah yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so it's 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 always a mix of of uh positive and negative i think and the content like and say you're talking about a movie when you're when you're your 20s it's like oh yeah that movie we got to go to the video store hopefully it's there hopefully we can get it hopefully we can find it now you can find basically anything in five minutes online right so Totally. Yeah. Legally or illegally, right? You're gonna find right. it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So so yeah. So it's, it's like that there's like there's that easy access. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, probably more of a good thing than a bad thing, but it's like you're there's like you don't have to wait for anything. It's all there, right? So 
Right. And then, you know, when, when you come home from Blockbuster with the VHS tape and you put it, if the movie st stinks halfway through, usually you just sat through it and watched it because there's you, nothing You else. invested that four ninety nine, right? Right. Like, now you can watch five <laughs> minutes of something and go, eh, you know, next. And then you can just go into the next stream, whatever's streaming or next service or, yeah. Yeah. So. It's kind of amazing, but so, so you seem like you're in a really good, interesting position. So, what motivated you to send the like festivals like us? You're just trying to get it out there. You want you want to get some exposure. Yeah, it's uh, you know I think it, you know as a university professor, I'm expected to can in addition to teaching and in service, I'm expected to keep a creative output going. So it's a good way for me to uh, to document that that I'm I'm still writing and I'm still working. And it's also a good way for me to uh, get some exposure and, uh, you know, con connect with some new people and get fresh eyes on the script, which is which is always really important, I think. Yeah, so well, you, think, it's, it's embrace the feedback, I guess, right? Yeah, you you have to, you know, you, you got to, yeah. You, if, if you keep hearing the same thing over and over again from different people, you know that you've got something to work on, you know. Uh, so, so what are so, you working on now? So right now I'm working on a mini series, uh, uh, a TV pilot for a for a, a streaming series that um, based on the true true life of Thomas Merton, who is a U.S. Um, mystical monk uh, who died under mysterious circumstances in Thailand in 1968, and some people think he was assassinated. He was a big civil rights leader and uh, reformer and uh, so just finishing that up and then moving on to a um, in talks with an author about doing an adaptation of his novel uh, actually it's a nonfiction uh, book a fictional retelling of his nonfiction book so that's that's what's up next and I'm really excited about it so it seems like there's a there's a theme going on with your with your work I guess I'm really interested in the paranormal, supernatural. Yeah. The, yeah, I am. But I also like uh, action and thrillers. And and so uh, all of my work usually has an, an aspect of that, too. So. And Ap Apocalypse Now is the movie you've seen the most times in your life, according <laughs> to the blog interview. Yeah, I you know, when I was in film school, I, I had a little, you know, uh, VHS TV combo player, and that's all I had. And I had like a handful of VHS cassettes at home and, you know, TV was really bad. I didn't have cable. And so I would just put movies on in the background and that was one I owned. <laughs> so I just, and I love the the lighting and the production and well, I love everything about the movie, but so I just would watch it over and over again in the background. I did the same thing with Big Lebowski <laughs> and, uh, and so a Goodwill hunting the same way. And so, um, so it wasn't that I really set out to watch Apocalypse Now a hundred times. Gotcha. But I didn't have. <laughs> so. And you broke it down. Yeah, that's what that's sometimes what you have to do, right? Like it's it's like, yeah. but I, it seemed like unconscious on your part, but like just kind of like watching the same thing over and over again, kind of breaking down the nuance, I guess, right? Yeah, I do. I do think it's it's a it's a masterpiece, and and uh, yeah, so definitely. Glad that I, and I think Big Lebowski's a perfect comedy, and so I think I learned a lot from watching those over and over again. Yeah. I remember watching Big Big Lebowski at the theater, and it just it kind of came and went, 
and nobody yeah. really talked about it much. They just did Fargo, which was I think is a brilliant film, and they just yeah. threw this movie out like kind of a year later, yeah. and then yeah. nobody yeah. thought about it. it. Was like I thought it was funny and was like obviously giving tribute to the the drug culture and mm -hmm. uh like the you know the the peaceful marijuana drug guys right, right. <laughs> yeah yeah and saying that we're, we're everything we're not addicted we just you know whatever and uh, and so and then then like a year later it just popped up on on uh vhs and everybody started quoting it but it's kind yeah. of a movie that just like nobody nobody talked about much when it came out but then it just like it just, it just kept growing and growing and growing now it's like a legendary film yeah isn't that something it's it's yeah. uh it's become a cult classic now. It's, it's probably more popular than their Fargo film, right? So from the year before, which was got all the Oscar nominations, etc. Yeah, that's a, that's a perfect film as well. Yeah, that's you know. Which I still feel got cheated at the Oscars, but then again, nobody yeah. cared. Nobody remembers anything anymore. So. Yeah, and the Oscars is very a fickle a fickle beast. <laughs> you, do you a trivia question? You you know what film won Best Picture over over Fargo that year? No, I'd have to look. It was the English patient. Oh wow, really? Yeah. Wow. See, I would have thought that was years earlier. That's yeah. interesting. <laughs> and what movie do we people remember more? Right. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rightfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the year uh, before, it was like Pulp Fiction lost to to Forrest Gump. Right. So. That's right. That's right. And people, yeah. I think Pulp Fiction stands stands the test of time more than for, oh, arguably, yeah. So for sure, absolutely, yeah. Oscar, <laughs> Oscar doesn't. They don't. Oscar voters don't take a whole lot of chances. You see a little more of that these days, but back then, especially not. You know, yeah. and people don't really remember, right? So it's like they just, yeah, uh, yeah, because yeah, everybody's true. all up in arms about the Barbie, right? So it's like the movie's gonna. <laughs> gonna last it's good people are gonna think about talk about that movie 20 years 30 years from now nobody's gonna remember that she didn't get nominated for best for best actress right right so. right well yeah and we you know same thing with legally blonde this little comedy that was you know everybody laughed at when it came out and now it's you know uh, i teach it in my screenwriting class oh it's really a, yeah it's my a, wife loves that movie beautifully structured movie it's uh it's really well written it's you know it's aged a bit but it's it really holds up as far as a good example of structure and plot and pacing yeah so. i always felt that that if the the casting was perfect she probably helped develop that film reese witherspoon but if you yeah. get a different actor in the tone and she changes the tone a little bit the film doesn't work i always felt that she was the yeah. one that kind of like was this the, the ship that she was the she was the centerpiece of that of that of that film, Reese with her performance. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I think she she there's a reason she's a, she's a mega star. And yeah. I think she's, she's extremely talented. She made that film. Yeah, to find that line of not not being shallow and like the pretty blonde, exactly. like we can most audience like the rail against that type and like kind of finding that heart within yeah. that superficial character, right? Exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, being uh, beloved, you know, uh, all while uh, being cast as shallow, you know, by society, it, it's it's a great it's a great film. I told my students the other day. I said this was Barbie before Barbie. I said this is, you know, this is a real. There's a lot going on here uh, in terms of identity and and uh, societal expectations and and you know, it's it's yeah, it's good. It's interesting. Yeah. Now you make me want to watch the movie again.
<laughs> it's on Broadview. They they made it on Broadway. They yeah. And I guarantee you she's coming out with the third one in the next couple of years. So I, I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it's a good idea. Uh yeah. All right, man. Well, let's talk again when you uh when you when you when your next screenplay or when uh when okay. uh, I think they find you fascinating. I always love to talk awesome. to a professor because you're you're kind of on the front lines of the next generation. So it's always interesting. Thanks. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we're not recording now. No, we're we're still recording, but I'll turn it off and say thank you very oh. much. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks so much. It's been it's been a pleasure to be here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Shlemiel, Shlemazel, Hasenbeck Incorporated.